Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and all that jazz, and Happy New Year. My name is Jacob Bomber, and this is from Bob's office. Today is December 31st. Tomorrow will be the first of not only a new year, but also a new decade, and that's very exciting. It is currently 4.11 p.m. on Tuesday afternoon. We got a late start, and I will talk about why in a little bit. But with me is... Hello, I'm Jake Mathis, as you may know. Sitting aside from me, if you were to look at me, it is the left, is a man, a myth, a legend, a... The word master does not describe how good he is at Minecraft. His name is Kevin. He is very special and dear, near and dear to both of us. He does a lot of stuff with us when he's around. Um, he currently goes to Grace College. Um, he was a member of our youth group, and he is a alumni of this school along with Los Alamitos High School. Everyone, Kevin. Well, hello, everybody. I forgot to say your last name. So yeah, <laughs> you said his first name in the middle of it. You oh. gave away the ending in the middle. Well, wow. Actually, the title will probably give away. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's true. Ke- Kevin Gentis. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's that's the name. So, yeah. <laughs> My mic stand is going to eat it. So, for Christmas, I got three new mic stands. One of them didn't come with a clip on top that works, so we had to ditch that one. And the one I'm using is a little desk mic, and the way that it is, um, yeah. I don't know how to, what word to use there. I never even realized that until just now that you're using the recorder of, out of anything to pro or to I mean, it it's down. not going anywhere. I hope yeah, not. That's fine. Uh, I hope. That's kind of like the one also. important. That's like the most important object currently. So uh, yeah. That's true. Why don't you use your laptop? Because how? I'm gonna put it. It's gonna be behind it, and then it'll be what? That doesn't seem to go. It's been a while since we've been here. It's been 12 days since we recorded with Mariah. So there's a lot that has happened, and we are going to spare you the hours and hours and hours we could talk about everything that has gone on the last two weeks, and instead we're going to focus on a couple highlights for each of us. And so I'm going to start with I am incredibly tired today and might not talk very much because... I just finished a two-day Ultimate Frisbee tournament called the Winter Classic that I help run every year. That I help run. I run all of it every year. Uh, This is probably the ninth year that I've run it, something like that. Um, It's always the two days leading up to New Year's, um, unless that's like a weekend or something. We always plan a weekday. It's a local just pickup tournament of guys that started in 2004, 2005, local Los Alamitos high school people that wanted just a reason to get out there and run around and play, and then I got involved in it a few years in, and then I brought all my college friends in, and then more really good people came in, and then it got crazy, and it went from like three or four teams to we've had upwards of like 15 teams at the past. But this year I did a poor job of marketing and talking and doing all that, and so we only had four teams, and for the first time ever we got kicked off the field yesterday. Yeah, they, we, wow. <laughs> we were in the middle of our first game. And a guy from the park services came over, Raul, nice guy. And he was like, hey, I love that you guys are out here playing, having fun, doing your thing. But we are trying to regrow the grass, so we got to water it. So if you could move. I was like, yeah, I guess we can. So we moved across the street to the other part of the park. Oh, I know exactly where you were. And thankfully, we only had four teams because moving 14 teams would have been a nightmare. So that was good. But I'm very tired because my team played five games. We won all five games, won the championship. 
Nice. We're very happy, but we only had three subs yesterday, two of which didn't come till late, and we only had two subs today, one of whom also didn't come till late. (laughs) And so we were just very tired, but we played well, and we won, and it was great, and I had a lot of Chick-fil-A about an hour and a half ago, and I just want to lay down and go to sleep. Mm. So hopefully I make it through this whole podcast without snoring on the microphone. Um, Last night we had a lot of fun. We played, we had arranged to play Throw Throw Burrito in the church basement here, and it was very funny. There ended up being nine of us total. If you haven't played Throw Throw Burrito, it's a combination of spoons and dodgeball, and I highly recommend you buy it. And throwing burritos. Yeah. The dodgeballs are burritos. Uh, Basically, yeah, you're playing spoons, trying to make triplets, and you get points based on that. And if you have a certain type of action card, you get to throw a foam burrito at somebody, and it's hilarious. Um, Until it hits you in the face. (laughs) We played a few rounds of that, and then we also played a few rounds of jug, which is... Three flies up, except everyone stands in a circle, and you throw an empty jug, preferably a Gatorade or Powerade bottle, throw it down into the middle of the circle, and it bounces up. And when it bounces up, it is your goal to catch it, but you have to catch it one-handed, and you cannot trap it against yourself or somebody else. It has to be a clean one-hand catch, and turns out it's very hard to do. And the game yes. is also full contact, so as soon as the oh. bottle goes flying, you're allowed to run around and push and slap and do all that jazz. Damn. And... In the span of, we got there a little after 8, we got there, we got there a little before 8, but we started playing probably around 8.20, 8.30, and we stopped our festivities probably around 11.30, because yeah. we went to Del Taco after. So in the span of three hours, Jake got hit in the face at least 14 times. Yeah. With yeah. either a foam burrito, which Brandon launched at him, hit him, I... <laughs> So, so hard. There was no reason times. for that one. That like, one that was across the table. There Brandon was no reason. Would just get it. Boom! Just and right in Jake's face. There was no was, reason for the one that was across the table. Like it's I, not. It, it, he couldn't possibly have been doing it on purpose because you couldn't <laughs> even react that fast on purpose if you tried. He just reacted out of instinct and just for whatever reason always Jake in the face because Jake was to his left multiple times and Brandon just getting go like that. But then Jake switched to be in front of him, and Brandon got it and threw it backhand and just right at Jake. <laughs> and and then Jake proceeded to get hit with the Gatorade bottle probably four oh, or five times. I have in a the fat face. lip, and then I also got punched like four times. <laughs> and then like the best was like when I dove in the middle, and I got like I'm pretty sure I got kicked in the head somehow. And then I'm pretty sure my pinky went inside of my body at one point. <laughs> Like, my pinky, like, went in my hand because, like, I, like, jabbed up and, like, your arm was there and all I felt I was warm and hurt. <laughs> and uh, and Stitch <laughs> had one throw that bounced and went straight into Jake's leg and Jake still has a bruise yeah, on his I, leg. Yeah, I have a scar It's a it. perfect little, like, one-third crescent on his leg and it was very funny. So, that was intense. At um, one point, Kyle's... It, like three of Kyle's fingers were almost down my throat because <laughs> I like look I like lunged backwards to get it and like I guess my mouth was open because I was saying something or I was laughing and Kyle just was like oh, and I'm like hello <laughs> and Kyle's like yeah I felt that I'm like yeah me too <laughs> it was it was a very very entertaining night so I would fully For endorse them. oh no everyone was entertained Jake was laughing I, I wasn't crying 
Um, it's I fully endorse you buying Throat Throat Burrito and acquiring an empty Gatorade jug and finding at least five people. Jug is really hard to play because you just need a water. Funny. And preferably not playing against me because I won probably f- six of the eight rounds. Dang. Um, so there's that. Humble brag. Not so humble brag. It um, helps when your wingspan is three of me. Slight exaggeration. My other highlight is I've gotten to see a couple movies recently. One of them was Jumanji. Jumanji is hilarious. Just as good as the first one. Maybe even a little bit better because a couple certain things happen and it makes you appreciate the actors even more. Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and The Rock are all fantastic. It's great. Go see it. Watch the first one so there's context and then watch the second one because it's great. But possibly my favorite movie like storytelling movie of the year is Richard Jewell. Mm. I saw it with a friend who's in town for now and I had relatively high expectations going in because it's Clint Eastwood. But the way that they tell the story of this guy who is wrongly accused of setting off a bomb in Centennial Park during the 1996 oh, Olympics, one. he, the way, that actor, I hope, gets nominated. I don't expect him to win. I'm not doing anything like that. But there was one scene in the movie where they show an actual video clip from then, and they show him being interviewed. And in those few seconds, the way the actor portrays that guy, like it looks and sounds spot on. So just the character portrayal, I love Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell plays his lawyer, and Sam Rockwell is one of my favorite actors. He is fantastic. Um, is Clint Eastwood in the movie? No. Just directed by him, right? <laughs> yeah. Just like that? Produced. And so start to finish, you are just emo- – I was emotionally invested in multiple people, watching things play out. You are just like aching for this dude. You want things to go his way, and they are just not. And you are so mad at certain people, and and it's fantastic. I highly encourage everybody to go see that movie too because it is just great storytelling it's not necessarily the most entertaining movie you're not going to be like laughing the whole time it isn't great action it's just one of those movies that they are it's made simply to tell a story and the story is told really really well so i highly endorse that there are a lot of other things but those are those are what come to mind for me in terms of my last 12 days holiday stuff going on jake so, um, the day of the last podcast, I interviewed for a job, and I have received said job. And I now supply daycare. I don't think supply is the right word. I now contribute at daycare for the school that's connected to our church, and I'm really excited to do that on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, wow, how professional. Who is it? I don't think I know who that is. Oh. I do? Okay. Hello. Okay, well. I think I'm supposed to continue to talk about my week, but I kind of hope for him (laughs) to be. It's all right. Well, we'll continue. I went and I saw. Oh, I know who that is. (laughs) Jacob just took a call. (laughs) Yeah, Jacob is now gone. I I realized who the phone call was now. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here, minding my own business, trying to think of what I was trying to say. There we go. So, 
on that Thursday, I also went and saw Star Wars opening night, and I mm-hmm. will say I thoroughly enjoyed it. There's good and there's bad, but I think the good outweighs the bad, so I enjoyed it. I think it was a good movie in general. I think acting was great. I think Adam Driver is a great actor. I really enjoy him. Um, another highlight from this uh, past um, two weeks or so was we uh, had a huge Christmas party over at the Silvas uh, last Sunday on the 29th. Mm-hmm. Or no, that was literally like two days ago, actually. Yeah. Uh, but we had a huge Christmas party with a lot of the families that we all grew up with, and it was really fun to um, reconnect with people and have a good time and eat good food and have a really funny and entertaining white elephant gift, where one of the gifts was someone stole someone else's steering wheel. Yeah. And so they sat there with, uh, or like they wrapped up the guy's steering wheel, and then he found it, or like he didn't find it. So someone went and like opened it. And he goes, wait a second, that's my steering wheel. <laughs> and so then they did that, and it was hilarious. Um, Jacob has returned. He looks confused because of his headphones. Um, they, like, they, like, turn inside weird. It doesn't matter. And that concludes my highlights of my week because it wasn't really too eventful. Kevin. Yeah. You're um, you didn't talk about disc golf. Oh, my gosh. I yeah, sorry, Kevin. No, that's well, fine. Yesterday, I'm gonna talk about it too. Are you gonna like? Yesterday, how much setup are you gonna do? Monday, December 30th, could possibly be one of the best days I've ever lived in my life. Mm. I, I went in, saying, you know what, I feel kind of good today. I started off throwing pretty well. Oh, we're talking about disc golf, by the way. <laughs> I went off throwing pretty well. My drives were pretty good. All day, mostly, except for like one or two. I would like to point out that Jake now throws harder than anyone else that we play with. Jake goes up there and rips forehands. It's pretty talented, though. Throws it so hard. I I also have like a set form where I'm either I either kick my foot back as like a pitcher, depending on the throw I need to do, or how hard I need to throw, or I'll like run up and throw, depending on how how I need the disc to go. Pretty much. Well, this was by far one of my best games I think I've ever played. I drove super well. I just played super well in general. Putting was a little... I mean, it was actually better than most. So it was pretty decent. Um, but yeah, so I ended up with a uh, a season's best uh, uh, four over par, which is, uh, for those uh, who you don't know, that's a plus four. It was uh, my best score. Previously was six, but I, I should have gotten a three, but I messed up on hole 17. But with my four, that means that I beat one said person that I have pointed – I've been trying to beat my entire disc golf career pretty much because I've never come anywhere near it, and I did it. And I finally beat Jacob Bomber in something. It's true. It was and, rough. And yeah. I was very happy. Well, it, so <clears throat> Jacob did use new disc. I guess that was kind of a good excuse for him, but I – was able to beat him, and I, it was uh, it was very nice. I got we ended up getting third place. Me and three, me, Ian and Cody, who you guys all know because they were on the show. Um, oh, sorry, uh, we all tied for third place technically, and then we played hole 19 where I didn't really do too well, but we still tied for third pretty much. And yeah, nice. Um, so I played that same game. And um, at the same – like, so I've been tr- playing 
Have we been playing disc golf for about the same amount of time? Well, consistently, consistently, I would yeah. say yes. But I played, a f- I've played a little longer, probably. But yeah, right. So I played a couple years before, but like two games. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we've consistently been playing pretty much together since this started. Um, like consistently going out, and I had never beaten Jacob either. I had on several occasions tied with him, where I would be like, there was one time when going into hole. 18 i was what i had six he had seven uh no wait no i had five he had seven i threw i bogeyed he birdied and we tied (laughs) where so it was a two-point lead and i lost in one hole i was so bad i didn't lose i tied those are the these are the two worst days of disc golf i've had in yeah last like two years was being six over at that time five over yesterday yep that means a lot to me. Um, so I ended up at even, which I took the lead of everyone, and that was big because normally I choke hard in disc golf. We had a big um, group and we multiple did. people who are good. Yeah. So Kevin yeah. stepped up. Um, and I was following Brandon most of the game, um, just one behind. And then I forget I, how good he is most of the time. I know. His his mid-range is insane. Like he Sank, always, sank two mid-range shots from... At least 35 feet away. It was nuts. Um, but, yeah, so my highlights of my Christmas break so far. So I got out of school on Wednesday the 25th, just about a week ago. And then I flew back. Uh, the 18th? What? The, the, 25th, the 25th was <laughs> Christmas. Oh, yeah. Let's say the 18th. <laughs> that sounds better. <laughs> Definitely the 18th. Um, yeah. Cause, oh, my gosh. Because that week was a blur, and here's why. Um, my sister got married. And, um, which was super fun. It was a lot of work, but it was super fun. And so I got out of school and flew out there, um, the Saturday before the wedding. Where's there? Um, North Carolina. So she got married. Wait, when did she get married? The 20th? Wait a minute. No, the 21st. She got married the 21st. 21st. Yeah. Oh, so I got out of school like forever ago. What the heck? When did I get out of school? 18th, I thought. No, definitely before that. I don't know. I I got to North Carolina on the 14th. 15th. Oh, my goodness. Nope, on the 15th. Sorry. Yeah, this is messed. So I got to North Carolina on the 15th and got to spend a day with my sister, which was really cool. Um, at a volu- My aunt volunteers at a church, and they had an event where they rented out, like, a whole Chuck E. Cheese sort of arcade. But it had, like, go-karts and rock climbing. And then the volunteers and their family could bring um, their – they could come and they had unlimited swipes on like game cards. And, um, so that was really fun. And so Kayla and I got to hang out before the wedding, but then Monday all the way through Friday, I was working out just setting up. So that was my first week of break. Um, like a bunch of yard work, moving stuff, lights, um, whatever. And then the 21st was her wedding. Then the 22nd, um, cleanup 23rd was sort of a rest day. And that was really nice. And then we, my whole family was out there, and so my big highlight was the wedding and being able to see my whole family out there. Um, like, So my mom's side of the family, um, we haven't been together in, I think, seven years, and that was before two of the kids who were now have been born were a part of the family, and now two people in the family have gotten married. So there were several people who weren't there, um, and at my brother's wedding in the summer, um, not everyone could make it either. So this is the first time in seven or eight years that our whole family was able to meet up and be together at once. And it was cool because it was for the wedding and then for Christmas. Um, 
And then on the 24th, we celebrated Christmas as a family, um, which was really fun. And so all the kids got presents. Um, and so it was like a short, like 30 minute present thing. Um, and we did hors d'oeuvres and stuff and just had a cool dinner. Um, and then the 25th, which is actually Christmas day, I had a stomach bug that was, um, rough. I like, I woke up to watch the sunrise and threw up twice before it came up. Um, and then the entire length of the day I was, um, dealing with that. Yeah. (laughs) So that was great. But then I was totally fine. The 26th, luckily, because that was the day I flew back out here. Um, and so then I've been here for the last four or five days. And so that's pretty much my break. Were the airports really busy on the 26th? Um, no, not really at all. And well, the big thing was that we flew out of Wilmington airport, which is like two gates. So nothing's really busy there. Um, so that airport wasn't, but it never is. So, yeah. You guys flew into LAX, right? Yeah. How did you guys get from LAX to your house? Um, we had a friend come and pick oh, us okay. up in our car and then we had our car and everything. So that, that confused me. I'm like, wait a second. How, how do they get back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Kind of highlights, but also just a recap of my break. Yeah. Cause it all sort of blends. It was loaded. He yeah. was also there Sunday with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What um, did you end up with the at the uh, gift exchange? Um, I ended up with a Rubik's cube that I definitely left at Ian's. That's that so I funny. planned to get tonight. Of course, um, you had because you need another Rubik's yeah, cube. Yeah, well, because Faith went first, and so she got to steal at the very end of everything and stole my gift, and then <laughs> I was left with some plate and chocolate that I didn't like. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so then I ended up, because um, Maddie, Kenny's girlfriend, also the sister of my sister's husband, um, now wanted, she didn't want the Rubik's Cube, and so I just traded with her, because at least I could use a Rubik's Cube and not this plate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. While I'm struggling to do what I'm doing, Jake then just had an aneurysm or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For, for reference, I just pulled out a bag of chocolate chip cookies homemade. Yeah, yeah so I was like, I have that to have this one. By Brendan's mom. But if we're all eating cookies on a podcast, I feel like no, that's... fine. No one can tell. turns, forehead. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, then I'm grabbing a cookie. Clearly, I'm not. We're going to talk about well, sports anyway. Yeah, I was like, that's, well... Uh, that, sends our, that sends our intro segment. Um, There's a lot of sports things that happened, and we definitely aren't... We, yeah. So we're These chocolate chips about. are huge. Sorry. I will tell Brandon to tell his mom that you are very grateful for huge chocolate chip cookies. Um, we are going to talk about college football and the NFL quickly, hopefully. Um, there are two major games on Saturday, the college football playoffs, the semifinals. Oh, boy. Um, Sorry. The first game was LSU versus Oklahoma in a game featuring two of the he- <coughs> two of the Heisman finalists in LSU quarterback Joe Burrow and Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts. Two incredibly good offenses, so it seemed like it'd be a firepower game with a lot going on. And then LSU said, nope, we're just going to end you early and just score all the time. And Joe Burrow accounted for... Well, eight total touchdowns. He had seven passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown, which is an insane number for one game. And 
I think six of them were in the first half. Yeah. Maybe five, six. And he, one of their receivers, Justin Jefferson, had four receiving touchdowns in the first half. Burrow ended up with 400, like 90 passing yards or something in the game. It was insane. LSU just totally it, demolished them. Oklahoma was never in that game at all. I I was shocked. I was literally like so impressed by every single like position by LSU. Like I have not seen a college team look as professional as they did in a way in a long time. And I saw a funny tweet and it was like LSU could beat the or could win the NFC East. <laughs> I hate when people say that because there's no. Um, I don't even like argue that point anymore because it's so stupid. Ian as a Ian as a former lineman pointed out a very interesting thing with their line, only one person is a returner. Their center is the only person who came back or like is a second year player for them pretty much. Everyone else was a like fresh player in their program, and they went from like last year a mediocre line to the best line in college football. And I I saw a picture of these guys and they literally were the most massive humans I've seen in my life. <laughs> and like I know an NFL lineman, and he looked bigger than them. Weird they looks bigger than him. Right. Yeah, like I know yeah. an NFL lineman, no. and he like he's massive, but these guys look like more massive, and they, they play so well. Oh. And just LSU, Joe Burrow looks incredible too. So he looked like he won the Heisman. And was like, okay, now I got to make sure you all like cannot second guess this in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, uh, very he clear. Looked like the best player of the weekend. Uh, I, I won't. I'll, I'll say this after. So never mind. The next game. So that was that was the first semifinal. So LSU advanced to the national championship game. Second game was Clemson versus Ohio State. Ohio State Great came game. out and had a thirteen nothing lead because they got into the red zone three times, scored one touchdown, kicked two field goals. So kind of on them to not have made more use of getting into the red zone early on to just settle for two field goals when they should have had two more touchdowns. So they were up 13-0. But then Clemson came back, and I don't remember entirely the sequence of events, but Ohio State had a lead. Clemson came back. Clemson took the lead. Ohio State came back. It was back and forth. But the, there were two... There were two things that you would reference as the plays of the game, and then another thing that happened that was controversial and kind of important. So one of the major plays of the game happened, uh, when did that happen? Third quarter, I think. I think both things I'm talking about were in the third quarter. Yes, they were. So there was a play, Oklahoma, LSU had the ball, LSU, Clemson had the ball, and... Quarterback Trevor Lawrence rolled out to his right, threw to a receiver. Receiver had the ball in his hands, takes a couple steps, has a defender on him. Defender reaches in, punches the ball out, balls on the ground. In live action, the refs let the play go on. Uh, uh, Ohio State defender picks up the ball, runs it back for a touchdown. So everyone thinks that Ohio State has scored a touchdown. Everyone's celebrating, blah, blah, blah. They review all scoring plays, the refs review it, decide that it was an incomplete pass because there are rules in terms of how it's not like if you take two steps it counts or whatever. 
<clears throat> the vague wording is making a football move, which means you do you make some intentional movement that progresses you. That's kind of like my interpretation of that. There, You have to do something that shows that you possess the ball and that you are making an intentional movement to show that like you are in control of the situation. The receiver caught the ball, had the defender on him, kind of took two, three steps in the direction he was going, but he never was under control. Besides like having the ball in his hands, he never did anything that established him having control of his body and making an actual forward progressive move. So the, when the ball pops out, it was ruled an incomplete pass for that reason. He never made a football move. Of course it's subjective. Yes. <laughs> so so that's open to interpretation. People have argued it. Everybody went nuts saying he definitely caught it. It was definitely a fumble, blah, blah, blah. There's no definitely. Everyone's just going to argue and whatever, but it is my opinion that it was as the play happened. When the play happened, I said, "Sorry." we were watching, and I said, incomplete pass. And then they replayed it, and I said, incomplete pass. And it was ruled incomplete pass. I also agree that it was incomplete pass. So a bunch of Ohio State fans just super mad, whatever, go crazy. Even even after the game, we are like even looking at now, people are arguing. I responded to a tweet earlier this morning about this topic. The next play, so because it's an incomplete pass, <clears throat> it's still Clemson's ball. So Clemson's next play, the result of that play, it was a third down. So Clemson's next play was a punt. Clemson punts the ball. Ohio State gets the ball back. So now Ohio State possesses the ball in real time. I said, even, like, the play didn't matter because now Ohio State gets the ball and they get the chance to score. So if they don't score, that's on them. Like, they still got the ball back. It's not like LSU went, LSU, it's not like Clemson went down and, and scored, scored after yeah. it anyway. They didn't. Not only that, Ohio State, on that possession, they scored a touchdown. So all that actually happened is they lost three or four minutes of gameplay, which at that time, like, it's not like it happened with four minutes left in the game. There was still plenty of game left. So the whole argument very close. The whole argument was just is currently moot. Whether you believe it was a completion or not, it doesn't matter because Ohio State scored a touchdown on the next possession. So the game was still at the same place. So I get super annoyed that people are still arguing about that cuz whatever. The the other huge game-changing play Trevor Lawrence is a large guy. Trevor Lawrence is 6'6", 220 pounds. Did I tell you I saw him in a dream? Yes. It was wild. It was like right before the game started, I like took a quick nap between the games, and I like was sleeping, of course, so I was napping. That that helped explain what I was doing. <laughs> um, so like I was like walking into like this like I think it was Buffalo Wild Wings, and there was just this large figure there, and I was like, oh, who are you? He said, oh, I'm Trevor Lawrence. And so then he didn't speak like that because he's a I don't know how to explain what his sound what he sounds like. Because I don't think I've ever heard him speak. Um, but he, like, he's a notable guy. You know what he looks like. Um, and it, I just saw him in a dream. I'm like, did you just see what LSU just did? And he's like, yeah, I hope I'll have to do that. And then look at that. Now. So they were losing at the time. And he – it wasn't – I don't believe it was a designed quarterback run. Oh, yes. But he went to his left, got up through the line of scrimmage, made a move, like an Ohio State, the safety 
came up to him and Lawrence like started to his right and then took off to his left. The safety pursued too much and fell. And Lawrence just outruns the rest of the defense for a 67-yard touchdown run. It was crazy. I was going nuts when it happened. It was it was awesome. It was great for somebody like, that size. A good athletic play. It was so that was a huge play. The other game-changing play is at one point, I think it was in the second quarter, Lawrence was dropping back to pass. The pocket was kind of collapsing on him, and there was a blitzing safety that came in. And as the safety went to make a tackle, the safety like lowered his head oh, yeah. to come in on Lawrence. I and linebacker. It was a safety. And when Lawrence saw him coming, Lawrence lowered himself too. So when they collided, it's not like Lawrence was near the ground. Like Lawrence was upright and just kind of tucked slightly down. And the safety didn't necessarily launch himself, but he definitely lowered and led with his head. So the safety's helmet connected with Lawrence's helmet. They reviewed it, and they ruled that it was a targeting play because as a defender, you are not allowed to hit helmet to helmet on a defenseless person. So the quarterback is always considered defenseless if he is in the pocket. And receivers are defenseless if they are going up to catch the ball. Um, so it was called targeting. It's a 15-yard penalty, and it's an automatic ejection from the game for that and player. Next game too, right? It depends. If it's in the second half, then it's for the first half of the next game. If it's in the first half, then it's just that game. I believe. I'm That's not weird. entirely sure. Oh, it's never mind. Like that. I, I understand now. I thought you meant that if it's in the first half yeah, no. of the game, it's yeah. a full next game. So. And he was a pretty important player in the secondary for Ohio State. So Ohio State fans went crazy about that. Um, there was a Twitter feed where they showed the running back getting hit by a helmet. But a running back is not considered a defenseless player because they have the ball and they're running and they can they, protect themselves. They know in a how way, to protect in a way, themselves versus a quarterback. But it's they can in a way that a quarterback can't because a quarterback is standing there looking at everything and can't really – their rule. So – so those were the big plays from the game. In the end, Clemson gained down and did what they needed to do to win, and Ohio State was driving in the last possession. And Justin Fields, to his credit, also played a terrific game, quarterback for Ohio State. J.K. Dobbins, the running back for Ohio State, one of the best running backs in the country, had 140 rushing yards on like Didn't eight, eight carries in the first half. I don't know. Um, so like Ohio State did some really, really good things, but Clemson, defending national champs, they've won 29 games in a row now. Insane. Showed no that way. they belong. <laughs> So Clemson versus LSU, both teams of the Tigers. Both teams have star quarterbacks that are both going to be number one draft picks. This is the Tiger Bowl. Yeah. So Joe Burrow is definitely going to be the number one overall pick in this year's draft because Cincinnati is definitely going to take him. So he's going to be from LSU Tiger to Cincinnati Bengal. That's crazy. I I never processed that, and I enjoy it. Trevor Lawrence is just in his sophomore year. So after his junior year next year, he'll definitely go. He'll definitely be number one to whoever is the worst team in the league next year. Maybe top five, depending on who it is. I, then you trade and get a ton of picks like, because say, Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall quarterback. Yeah, you just say like... So the national championship game, January 13th, should be incredibly entertaining between, I think, the two best quarterbacks in the country and two really good defenses and two undefeated teams. Defending national champ versus number one seed this year should be great. Go so Tigers. College football in a nutshell. It's great. All the other bowl games, I'm like, eh. They're all right. I've USC got trashed by Iowa. That makes me so happy. It's a bummer. But go Iowa. Rose Bowl, Oregon, Wisconsin should be interesting. That's tomorrow night, right? 
or yes. afternoon? Either two or five. I think it usually starts around two. Michigan's playing Alabama Ooh. in the Citrus Bowl in the morning. Wait, so there's an Orange Bowl and a Citrus Bowl? Correct. That's dumb. They're the same thing. Sorry. Um, I mean, anyway. Um, so there's a couple of good games that are still viewable. Who? Dang. Who's playing? Georgia's playing Baylor. That should be a good game. Oh, yes. I think in the Sugar Bowl. And then Auburn's playing someone good, too, I thought. I don't remember. So that's college football. Yeah. So the only real professional team that matters now that the Rams are done are the Packers. Um, we have secured the number two seed with a win. We um, were literally like <laughs> – we were so close. We were like a third of an inch away from being the number one seed, by the way, which was insane. Um, there's also a little bit of controversy about it as well because a lot of people are saying that pass interference should have been called on either that player or the play before. It definitely should have been called on the play before. And it was not. And so kind of San Francisco got given the game in a way. Which sucks because I would have loved a number one seed because imagine anyone having to go into the frozen tundra of Green Bay. Ooh, that'd be rough for pretty much anyone. It's crazy because Green Bay, it feels like Green Bay hasn't been great. I know. They've been good because it, it feels like San Francisco's been great. I mean, I've seen a few of their games, though, that are – like the la- I think the last like six for them, though, have been very – they played Baltimore and beat Baltimore. They played Seattle twice and beat Seattle twice. I don't think they beat Baltimore. No, I meant New Orleans. Yeah. They beat New Orleans. Oh, they barely beat New Orleans. In New Orleans. They beat New Orleans at what New Orleans does. San Francisco yeah. relies on their defense for the most part. They went in there in a shootout with New Orleans and beat them. So That was a great game. And their defense, what New England did at the start of the season, San Francisco did in the middle of the season in terms of what they were not allowing to happen. It was So San Francisco, I feel like San Francisco has been great. Baltimore has been great. But, like, Green Bay has been good, and they're 13-3. and three. I think Seattle has been good, and they're, well, they're 11-5 now. They had a chance to be 12-4. and four. Um, I feel like the Saints have been good. Like, they had Bridgewater. I, I don't feel good. like they're... And I feel like the Patriots have been okay. Like, oh, I definitely. The Patriots were great early because of their defense. I have a bold prediction. Okay. They're getting knocked out. They're thirteen and three. They're gonna get like, knocked out. Argh. So this is the first time the or the twelve and four. Sorry, because they lost to Miami last week of the season. Yikes. Fitzmagic, man. So Fitzmagic has now beat Tom Brady with every NFC AFC AFC East, right? Yeah. AFC East team, which is crazy to think. But so, also, Fitzmagic has been playing for like 47 years. So the playoffs start this weekend. Wild card: Bills at Texans, Titans at Patriots, and then Vikings at Saints and Seahawks at Eagles. Bold prediction: uh, New England's going to lose. I think a lot of people think that because Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill. No, because Derrick Henry is going to run all. Also, over have you New not England. realized how good Ryan Tannehill's been playing though? He mm-hmm. is the best passer rating in the in the AFC. Right, well, then there's. He's like. Uh, I think it's like 117.7. Because he literally just has to throw it to A.J. Brown, and then A.J. Brown just runs over everybody. A.J. Brown is also incredible. Yeah. Gardner Minshew for Rookie of the Year. <laughs> okay. He Did you see our – Gardner Minshew over A.J. Brown. Yeah. No. Yeah, more important position. Nope. Um, Better you, performer. Uh, arguably. Arguably. Did you see – so Gardner Minshew went um, – Went five for five, so he finished the season even 
or was it six for six? Either way, he finished season at 500, which isn't terrible. He also outperformed Kyler Murray and Danny Dimes, who played almost. Did they all play almost every? Uh, Danny Dimes played. Daniel Jones, Daniel why not use his actual name? He played like I think 14 of the games, right? Sure. And then, uh, yeah, I think it was 14. And then Kyler Murray played every game, and Gardner Minshew outperformed both of them, and I was very happy about that. And he had a funny response about that. Did you see that? I, I, that. I didn't hear all the words because it, the reporter asked the question, and he's like looking and talking, and it wasn't clear in the video I saw, so I wasn't super aware of what he said, but that's not what I meant to do. Um, I just don't think he he's fine. How dare you? He's phenomenal. I oh in Madden Mobile I pulled a level ninety one of him. I'm very happy. Ninety one overall, that's not level, but I silly. I'm very happy. I define outperformed. He did. That's not a definition. One more games. Okay. <laughs> he did he throw more? I'm pretty sure more yards nope. and more touchdowns. Mm-mm. Are you sure? Murray had well, like maybe yards per game. Because Murray finished with 3,700 yards and Minshew finished with 3,200 yards. But also with six less games. Minshew played in 14 games. But he didn't start 14 games. No. So he didn't have full 14 games. Okay, but in not starting the first game, he still had 25 pass attempts. And in not starting game 13, he still had 27 pass attempts. So You can't have 500 yards on... Yeah, you can. Never mind. (laughs) So... He only he played in weeks one through nine, didn't play ten, eleven, twelve, and then thirteen through seventeen. So he didn't play in three games. Um, who was the other quarterback? Daniel Jones. Also, shout out Jameis Winston for being the first thirty thirty quarterback, thirty touchdowns, thirty interceptions. You are trash. You are trash. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, he also is asking for currently thirty mil a year, and I'm like, oh man. And did you see Bruce Arians respond? Or what? No. So a reporter asked Bruce Arians what are – he was like um, – he's like, would you – or would you go after another quarterback or something like that? He's like, if I can win with this quarterback, I can win – or would you be able to win with another quarterback? And he said – Bruce Arians said, I could – if I could win with this quarterback, I can win with any quarterback. And I was like, oof. <laughs> For the record, in one less game, Jones had three more touchdowns. Just putting that out there. Okay. In one less game? Yes. Jones had less games than Gardner Minshew? Jones played in 13 and Minshew played in 14. Okay. But, I mean, I'd still take uh, Old Man Gardner. I know. It's fine. So, there's that. Who's your Super Bowl? Baltimore and either San Francisco or New Orleans. Wrong. I just but don't, I don't actually, think Green Bay is good enough. I'd actually enjoy those games too, though. But I I, I, I want Drew Brees to win another one, so I I wouldn't mind the Saints going in. I just don't. I, 
I don't think Green Bay is good enough. Not having watched much of their games. I, just, can't I think San Francisco is very good, and I am hesitant to bet against Russell Wilson. Especially yeah. now that everyone's going nuts because Marshawn Lynch is back. That, he had one touchdown, didn't he? Is yeah. that all he did? Yeah, and they threw Skittles on the field. <laughs> That's fantastic. It, everyone was going crazy. He jumped like 12 feet in the air and got over the line and scored the touchdown, and everyone went nuts. That's and funny. They had to have like a timeout in the game because field staff had to come out of the field and pick up all the Skittles and all the bags that were on the ground because they all did that. He ended up with 12 carries for 34 yards in the touchdown. So it's not a great yards per attempt. Yeah. But it was uh, still a meaningful. Going into the game, I predicted he'd get at least 10 touches, and he got 12. So Good. Nailed it. So that was sports. That was we sports. have a guest. We do have a guest. And you were going to ask me a few questions while I do something. I said you were in charge today. I'm going to pass out. Um Hi, Kevin. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jake is really leaving with keys yeah. and everything. Dang. Bye. Um, well, so <laughs> how, this <laughs> how this usually works is yeah. I would ask you about your family and stuff, but with Jake not in the room, I feel like we're going to talk about something, and then he is going to then ask you something later, and you're going to be answering the same question. Oh. So... Instead of doing that, um, how – okay, so you're at school. We'll talk about school later. Okay. But you're in Indiana, and yep. when you were here, you did a lot of disc golf and bowling. Yeah. So talk about those a little bit in your progression while you were here and how those have looked like. Out in Indiana, because that's like we can call this the athletic transition because those athletic, are the two athletic yeah. things that right. you do. <laughs> athletic, quote unquote. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, disc golf and bowling. I started both of those because of you. Yeet. Yeah, and it was funny because disc golf was initially it was fun, but then it became the reason why I went to school on Mondays, which was fantastic. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I really started doing both. A year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now, mm. um, and they're fun. And um, I mean, it was a cool way to get to be around you more and talk with you more, and then more people. And so Jake and I got close also doing that because he came around for both of them. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I got better than the average person. Not great, but um, better than most. Um, Ended up then getting my own disc in disc golf, which was really fun. And then I'm still using this, the same putter I got on a $15 set I got like five years ago. <laughs> um, and actually Brandon was using the mid-range from that set and was freaking out about how well it worked too. The shark. The blue one? Yeah, that's from my set with the putter that I have. And there was a fairway how driver. How come I have it? Because I gave it to you because I didn't use a mid-range. Oh, okay. Um, and I just left it because... I have I, I have so many discs in my possession. I don't know who they belong to. Yeah, I'm pretty sure most of them are Chuck's. Well, no, th that's yours now. It's well, not mine. I, well, yeah. news to me. <laughs> um, and then yeah, with bowling, it's been fun. And what's actually really cool is going to Indiana. Um, my cousin uh, Tyler, he um, he works at a bowling alley, and several years ago he started really getting into bowling um, with a couple of his friends just for fun. 
and he got really competitive doing tournaments and whatnot. And so he's like real good. Oh, shoot. Like he has three different balls and they're all weighted differently for different things. And his form, he puts three fingers in it and it, he holds it above his head and spins it when he lets go. Above his like head. He, he goes all the way up above his head. Oh, that and comes down. Break myself. Yeah, it's insane. Um, and he averages like 180, 190. Um, now he's working and getting better, but and he had like a guy who had been bowling for like 40 years teach him um, his form and a bunch of different things and um, super cool. And him and I are very similar, and we're both very competitive, and we both choke. And so I've beaten him the majority of the times we've played because he just chokes um, because I just get in his head and then end up winning. But, like, at, like, 150s. So it's, he's just bowling bad every time I play with him. But he on average – I mean, he bowls, like, probably 10 games a week at Kevin least. has this thing where he doesn't come in clutch at the end no. of things. <laughs> Bowling, I'm better. But disc golf, every time with you I would choke. Kevin collapses under yeah, the pressure of it's a problem. doing well. Because that, that's why I've – because every time I've tied with you in disc golf, I was winning. Yeah. And then I lost. Or I, I didn't lose. And I have this thing where I am clutch at these things. Yeah. And yeah, I come so through. Yeah, it, so it's my kryptonite. Except for yesterday. Yeah. Well, that was – I mean, you played a decent game after the first. I hit – so on hole 11, <laughs> there's – there's a large – it's right next to the tennis courts at the park. And so yeah. there's the corner of the tennis courts. And then there is a large light pole that is probably 10 inches, 10 to 12 inches in diameter yeah. that is right next to the corner of the tennis courts. And it's and easily like four or five yards out of like where you need to It's not go. that far. Okay. It's, but it's, I mean, I guess if you are at the driving pad yeah. looking out straight, the pole – is probably a good 10 feet to the right. Like, there's no yeah. logical reason to ever hit this pole. Now, there is about two feet in between the pole and the fence, so yeah. I have seen somebody tee off and throw a disc in between the court wow. and the pole, wow. but I have seen multiple people hit the pole. So on hole 11, the basket can be either to the right under trees that are mildly far away or it can be to the left where there's one big tree in the middle that's pretty easy to throw around if you get a throw off so normally what i do is i throw a big inside backhand super high because i hate throwing like soft because then my yep. form gets all so i still want to throw it hard so i just intentionally angle it so it goes high to the right and then curves back left so i do this i plan this i throw it because these are new discs and they were just slipping out everywhere and coming out at all kinds of bad angles, I let go of it too late and it slips out to the right and it clangs yeah. off the pole yeah. so hard. Ding. But I'm back. I've never seen this happen before. The way the disc hit, mm -hmm. so if you imagine like the disc flat, tilt the left side down at like a 45 degree angle. So it's tilted down. So that's the angle that I released at. That's the angle it hit the pole at. For whatever reason, it hit the pole and the angle came back up. Yep. So then it was a horizontal again. Yeah. So it kept flying. Yeah. And so I had to run around the court to see if it was going to end up back on the tennis courts, and it didn't. It came back and died yeah, to the left. Yeah, but it flew far. It went like, way too far for having hit the pole so hard. It yeah. was crazy. Yeah, it was. Alas. Yeah. I. The rest of the the rest of that didn't go well, but. Mm -hmm. Some people played well. It was great. It was entertaining. I played well. Yeah. I can't speak. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't oh. even, does that have anything to do with what you just did right now? I, I nearly threw up. Oh. I don't know. My my throat or my stomach just started hurting like really bad. No so more I read, cookies for you. I, yeah. I don't know. Well, I also ate a lot of chocolate earlier, so I've been bad. <laughs> the only thing I ate today has been about Good like Lord. probably two pounds of uh, trobolone, the little chocolate mm. Swiss chocolate. Nice. Was right through me, and it, yeah, it, my stomach was like like cramped, and I'm like I should go walk outside. That's for those listening, Jake is referring to. Toblerone. Yeah, I'm lactose intolerant, so milk chocolate destroys me. But I, it is my favorite thing in the world, so I will eat it. <laughs> and well, I normally, like, normally I can eat like one candy bar and I'll be fine. But I did eat significantly more than one candy bar today. All right. Well, we literally just talked about disc golf. And I was really hoping eight minutes, and so I could talk it was about eight minutes. Forever. I'm sorry. No, it's your no, turn. Um. So Kevin. Yes. Where should I start? Okay. So you were born at one point. I was um, indeed. <laughs> So you were born into a large family. Who are they, and what do they do? So my parents, Mike and Mindy Gentis. Um, my mom is a chiropractor, and my dad is some guy in a church who does everything, and it's incredible. Um, if that sounds familiar, it's because Kevin's dad, Mike, was on our second guest on the podcast. Yeah. So he's a friend of the show. Yeah, so he does a bunch of stuff in churches and a good administrator, managerial sort of head to those. Um, and then I have two older siblings. My oldest sister, Kayla, who was the one who just got married. She is currently um, going to chiropractic school at the same place my mom got it in, or got her education in Southern California. Um, my brother is an accountant, or studying to be an accountant, I think. Something. That's what it was, good. Yeah. I was really hoping I wouldn't miss that part because I 100% forgot what his major was. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was numbers, but I didn't know. Yeah, and I'm not sure exactly where he's going to work with that, um, but he's out in Indiana as well going to Grace, and he has a house out there, and he's working somewhere, doing things, good things, good changes. Um, but, yeah, so he's out there. Um, and then I have a younger sister, Katya, um, and she is, she was currently in, she was enrolled at Los Alamitos High School, but now she is going to homeschool through the rest of her junior and senior year, and then attend Grace in the fall, as well as me and my brother. So that's cool. Yeah. You'll have three. There'll be three Gentai inside yeah, of Grace. Three College. Gentai, um, which is really cool because that hasn't happened since Kayla, me. Actually, I think all four of us attended Los Altos at one point, which is a lot. I was saying, yeah, I don't think grade. high school was. No, yeah. Because, yeah, Kayla was Because we're all two years me. apart. So, it, okay, yeah. yeah. Kayla's a year older than me for high school was, and yeah. you came my fresh, or you came my senior year as a yeah. freshman. So. Yeah, yeah. But Kayla came in sixth grade, so then Corey would have been fourth, I would have been second, and Katya, I don't think, went to school here then. I don't know what she did. <laughs> That's Maybe she did. I don't know. There are at least three here, so, yeah. So that's my family. That's cool. Um, you guys are originally from, uh, well, all over the Midwest, but yeah. where I grew up and lived was in a Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. So when did you come to Long Beach, California? Yeah, when I was going into second grade. Um, so that was, I don't know what year. That's what, like 10, 11 years ago, something like that. So There's still debate about definitely it. More. I don't know how there's debate. Definitely more but, than 10 years ago, though. Cause not much or more. I mean... I would say roughly see, 13 because you were going 13. into second grade, correct? Yeah. And if and I'm in technically 13th grade... Yes, so technically... 11 t- years ago. 
Yes. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's why I was. Yeah, that's why I was trying to math. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Glovey, Glovey, agree. Um, so ten, eleven years ago. You just use math as a verb. Yes. Sometimes you have to. <laughs> so you're going to Grace College currently. Yes, I am. What? You're a freshman, correct? Yeah, and I just finished my first semester. There. How? How do you like Grace? How do you? Do you? Uh, do you feel the atmosphere of a college camp? Like, how does it feel to you? Yeah. So I'm on a hall with um, 28 other guys. Um, Are you all freshmen? No. There's about half the hall. Maybe a little less than half is freshmen. Interesting. Um, and it's a great group of guys. Like, my whole life I've grown up, and I've been friends with girls most of the time. Mm-hmm. But these guys have been some of the closest guys I've ever had in my life, um, especially because I've looked up to a lot of older adults, and they've been in different places in life than I am. So, to, And me being friends with people my age hasn't happened all that much. And so um, they were, these are the first time there's been guys like really my age that I've been friends with. Um, and I've, I mean, some of the closest people I've ever been to. Good. So that's really cool. In just one semester of school. Yeah. And within the first six weeks, I already felt that connection. So Good. Yeah. How, um, how was your adjustment to college? Effortless. Workload. Effortless. It was easier than La Salle. Like workload wise, easier. Um, I've had more free time, more time to do what I want. I've been, I mean, I've actually found the value in the classes I've been taking. Um, like I took a public speaking and an effective writing class, and as much as effective writing was terrible, I still saw the value in it, mm-hmm. especially going through college. And then my public speaking class, which was the hard one of that session, I actually really enjoyed. Um, and like the skills I got from it were great. Good. Um, so yeah. Um, you went to Los Alamitos High School and stuff like that. Do you feel because Los Al had? I also went there. Most of you know that. No. Um, they have a slogan where like not really a slogan, but they have like a kind of hidden thing where they they want to prepare you for college as much as possible. Do you feel like you were more prepared than others going in? Um, I think I was more prepared, not necessarily because of Los Al, mm-hmm. but more because as a kid we were just grown to like we grew up being very responsible okay. being the third child at that point it was just like you make you make your own food yeah you clean your room because you want it clean mm-hmm. you take care of what you need to you make your plans and um run it by mom and dad sort of thing but you yeah. don't depend on other people to do stuff for you so my parents i mean that sounds a lot of like neglect but it wasn't it was actually it, i mean it was great and yeah, all the kids in my family grew up very independent and um, responsible. So good. Yeah. Good. Um, you're, so what is your major? Yeah. Um, I'm majoring in information systems and minoring in Spanish. Why? Um, well, so information systems is it slash software development is typically what I explain to sum it up to people. Um, and so with that major, it's a lot of coding, it's a lot of computer science and, um, it's a field that I've been interested in for a while. Um, I mean, my aunt and uncle own an information systems company, and so I've actually been able to sort of experience the field before I even declared the major, um, which is really cool. And so with information systems, it's like a cre- – it's the ability to be creative and 
create things, um, specifically software, mm-hmm. um, while constantly tr- challenging your ability to problem solve and um, just figuring out um, like the most efficient way to do something and how to do it in the least amount of work and all the, all these different things. And so, and that's just been in line with so much of my natural talents. And I love technology. Um, and I spend so much of my time, not only on it, but researching it and seeking ways to improve it and use it. Um, and so that just made sense to go in that direction. Um, so with your, was it your aunt and uncle? Yeah. With them owning that said company, would you one day be working – would you ideally be working for them or would you want to start your own kind of guild or whatever it is? Yeah. So going through college, um, I will end up probably interning with them every summer Mm -hmm. and getting all my applied learning credits um, through that company. And what will probably end up happening is me be an independent contractor that often works with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean that would sort of be the ideal situation because then I can work with them on projects with them um, while at the same time um, exploring other um, fields and opportunities and networking because, I mean, one of the biggest things to do in this field is to network and know people um, so that when there's work, you can get it. Um, So that's my plan right now, but I'm a freshman in college, so, you know, plans. So, yeah. And why did you choose to minor in Spanish? Um, because a major in Spanish is only useful if you're going into education. Um, <laughs> because if, if you need, like, realistically for the sake of casual conversation or even, like, translations, a major in Spanish I just don't think is as necessary, um, especially because I love Spanish. And I, I took Spanish freshman year of high school. Um my Spanish one teacher just was super fun and I enjoyed it a lot. And then because of that, I did Spanish two honors and then did honors all the way through high school and loved it. Um, and I've sort of adopted it into my normal language, which mm-hmm. gets confusing. But um, so I've just, I've really enjoyed Spanish a lot, but then also in the information systems field, it's just super useful because information systems is international. Hmm. And so being able to speak, as a native English speaker to someone who speaks Spanish and be able to translate for the sake of, you know, any meeting or any interactions in that regard is just super helpful. So good. Yeah. What do you think kind of, was it solely that teacher that kind of sparked your love for Spanish or just the way it is kind of out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my Spanish one teacher, she was a brand new teacher, and so she had like this this life that slowly gets drained from teachers. Um, but I never enjoyed any of my other Spanish teachers like that. Like after that, every year it was like maybe the next one, maybe the next one, and then it was just slow. But then I just realized I I don't know what about it, but I love the language. I love just mm-hmm. the ability to be able to speak it and communicate with it, and I like that it's structured and it makes sense, unlike English. And so um, it's also cool because, like, when growing up, my parents were both fluent in German, and they would talk to each other in German and not let us know what they were saying. And so I kind of want to be able to do that with my kids. (laughs) And so Spanish is probably what's going to be that. Your dad's fluent in German? He was. I mean, so I think he technically could be, like, conversational German, but they, like, lived in Germany for six months. I do not think I knew that. I did. I knew they lived in Germany. Yeah, they were newly. He married. talked about that when he didn't was your, on. But didn't your mom sing in German? 
She was an opera singer. I don't yeah. know. I think maybe she did, but I'm sure she sang in other languages too. Yeah. Well, I mean, opera, in opera. It's yeah. normally like six different languages they say. Right. It's like so. a, a flow of it. Yeah. Um, wow. That totally escaped my mind what I was going to say. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> do you know any German? No. I mean, do you want to? No. Okay. Kind of because my You don't want to explore your heritage? Nope, not really. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a cool language, but yeah. it's just, realistically, it's not that practical either. And Spanish is just a lot more useful. Especially living in the yeah. United States. Yeah, for sure. Um, and German would be cool, but like, it's not, I don't know. And also, it's a little bit out of spite because my mom wants me to, but whatever. <laughs> just so, a little bit of a rebellious self. So, um... Knowing Spanish, would you say you're fluent, kind of, or, like, getting there? I'm getting there, yeah. So would you ever, like, study abroad in either uh, – I don't know if Mexico would have a good computer programming. Yeah. So I don't know right. how that would work, but – Yeah, um, I probably will, but it probably won't be while I'm actually in school mm-hmm. because the be- one really nice part about information systems is that as long as you have internet and a computer, you can do your job. Oh, and so the ability to travel wherever I want while working full-time is incredible. And so what's likely is that after I graduate, so that I'm not paying for a school or the extra costs that come with going through a school to study abroad, because for also for a minor, you don't need – like norm with the major, you need a month of studying abroad. Mm-hmm. And so that just adds on longer I have to be in school. And so um, I'll probably – if as long as I can – I'll probably end up living in a Spanish-speaking country for a while hmm. while working full-time. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so with computers, computers have their own set kind of languages. What computer languages do you speak? Yeah, so as of right now, I've done one internship where I learned JavaScript, and then um, I took an intro to computer science class where I learned Java. Um, and those are two of the pretty basic languages. Yeah. Um, JavaScript is good for like mobile apps is a big thing or um, some web design stuff. Um, And Java is sort of, it's a way to teach the logic behind coding. And if you can learn that, you can then sort of translate the same stuff to other things. Um, But my my course layout for the next couple years covers, like, I think it's eight different coding languages. Okay, so you'll learn, like, Python and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll get a a taste for them. But learning them properly is going to take more than eight weeks, which is how long the classes will be. You should... um Go back and forth with Cedric about it because he yeah he's I, I already talked to him about stuff. yeah I forgot which ones but I know that he also is into that stuff because I'm pretty sure he's a computer science major as well yeah he is yeah right. would you be classified under computer science or would it just be kind of I mean it's in the realm okay it's more it's close yeah it's different but it's in there I mean coding classes yeah and if you know how to code really well you can do a lot so yeah. very true with a computer I will not probably ever learn that <laughs> sure just because yeah. it, it, it's it's like it's very intimidating and yeah well i have close friends who know it so i yeah. can find them to do it yeah and it is interesting too because even though i'm learning this stuff in school right now mm-hmm. with the change in technology and different languages being added and all these different things like i'm going to be actively learning yeah more languages more th- um, ways to do things, more programs, all these different things all throughout my career. Yeah, like you could be um, learning one right now. It could be completely irrelevant right. in like a, a year. Yeah, right. Maybe sooner. Like it's crazy. Yeah, and so like as much as I'm doing Spanish as a minor and 
information systems as a major. Like I'm just learning languages. Yeah. Is a lot of it. And so you're just learning a different type of language. Yep. Yeah. So very cool. Um, so it has to or something that comes to my mind instantly is did your love for computers start because of a certain game? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it did. Before we get into that, because now I know, um, I want to ask a very serious question. Look okay. me in the eyes. Okay. How long have you been addicted to Minecraft? Since sixth grade. That's how long. And I am now a freshman in college. How difficult was your semester without it? Well, you know, I, I did not take my computer to college, and that's why I didn't have. I, I took an iPad that I got for the for school, um, but. I was not going to play it on there because it's just not as good as the computer. Very true. And so I didn't have my computer for the sake of context um, for five months. And I really left it to prove to myself that I didn't need it. Um, And it was actually really enjoyable. Because of it, I was constantly out talking to people. Mm -hmm. And I have the friends I have now because of it. Um, So even taking it back, because, yeah, my computer's going to now go back with me to school. Um, I doubt that I will be playing as much as I used to because it would be like especially in middle in high school it was go to school come back play Minecraft go to bed go to school play Minecraft it was, it was a problem but yeah because you were just added to our our newest server yes and I was I was gone most of last night was it last yeah and then I come back and then you already did two things that pretty much just blew me away I'm like what what the heck like yeah you completely made two things and was like I okay like i yeah. i couldn't do that right away and it's just super impressive like you could just instantly think of that and just it happens yeah. and i'm just like i'm gonna let this boy do this because in the long run it's probably gonna if it's probably going to be uh productive for me too <laughs> yeah well one thing that's kind of cool is minecraft it's very easy to be like oh it's just a game and it's just something that, i mean in a lot of ways it's just something i wasted my life away on but um there's a lot of life skills that I actually had developed from it that, I mean, the experience that I've had through Minecraft, because I've I've not just played the game as a game. Like I've been I've, the I, game. Yes. No, but I, I've done things in it where I've, been, I've put myself in leadership positions. I've put myself in administrative positions and had to delegate responsibilities and um, deal with people and problem solving in that regard. Um, and so, like, that's been a whole different aspect of the game that people don't typically see for those of us uninitiated to the minecraft world in as succinct a summary as you can what is minecraft can i start go for it so you take the name mine and craft yeah that's that is what the game is Okay. <laughs> that could but not you, have been less helpful. Do you disagree helpful. with me? I don't disagree, but I would add a couple things. <laughs> um, it's a world of blocks that are all laid out into a naturally gen- a world generated by a series of code, and you're thrown into this world with no clear objectives, no nothing on your person. You're just surrounded with the nature of the game, and you're set off to sort of make your own goals. Now there's um, different dimensions you can travel to by making portals where there's more guided sort of milestones throughout just the natural um, progression of the game. But in general, it's a a sandbox. It's a creative canvas for you to do as you please. 
Um, and for some people, that's overwhelming and that's terrifying and it's just people get lost. And I know a lot of people who that's been their view of it. So it's literally just digital virtual map making. Yeah, in a lot of ways. That's a safe way of saying it. I mean, I started playing Minecraft because Legos were too much to clean up. And so the same sort of idea is there of, like, creativity things. So what... What's an example of an objective? Mm-hmm. Like well, there aren't the game itself doesn't provide objectives. Mm-hmm. So is the purpose just to be creative and create and whatever happens happens because it feels like there are rewards for things. Yeah. There so how do you get rewarded without accomplishing an objective? Like how sure. so, that explain that entire ideology. Sure. Do you want me uh, art right, let me yeah, shape in real quick. Um, so there are achievements that are locked behind certain things. So like there are kind of, but it's more of a hidden kind of thing. Like you don't have to follow the achievements to do stuff, but the achievements will kind of like hint at you to go do this kind of thing. Like which, the first achievement you get is opening your inventory. Yeah. So like and there then are stuff you get wood, and then you get cobblestone, of, yeah. and just there's stuff materials. that kind of incents you to like like to keep going and to. Yeah. Do it, but they're not the main front of the game because you don't need to play them to do it. Yeah. Now the bigger sort of objectives is there's a dimension called the end, which sounds pretty final, and in a lot of ways it is because you can get to the end, but you fight a, a boss who is a giant dragon, and when you get there and you kill the boss, you get a bunch of XP, which is great. Um, I got most of it. When we did. And what? How do you fight? Yeah, so you sword. can craft swords, you can craft bows, you can craft um, crossbows um, and different varieties of arrows that do different things. Is there anything else that would come up in the game to fight except for this dragon at the end? Sure, yes. yeah. There's mobs that will spawn at night, and mobs are just monsters, so zombies, skeletons. Just created from the abyss by the game itself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes other players. Yeah, and so that's the other thing. You can create the mobs to go attack other people? No, no, no. It's more so that you can attack other players. and You're freely yeah, open to fight people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's multiplayer aspects. So you and a bunch of friends can get thrown into a world, and then you're set off to do whatever. So often people will make little communities. And because you're, it's a survival game, so you need to provide food. You need to provide places for people to sleep and homes. And so you get to be creative with your homes without the laws of physics binding you because things float. Um, but then, yeah. And so you have food and whatnot. And so there's just, and then you have mobs that you have to fight every night, um, if you don't light things up and then, um, yeah. And so it's, there's survival aspects. So you do have to survive the night and survive the game if you would like to just stick with that. And then, like, oftentimes what will happen is a a group of friends will get together and they'll build a a town and they'll have a road that will have all their houses on the road. And then they'll build farms and the farms will be really big. And so then you can have different crops and um, then you can figure out different ways to farm these crops and ways to get materials. And People have different jobs. Yeah. And you can mine underground so you can actually dig down and get ores and coal and diamonds and... Iron. Yeah. Redstone. And so... Yeah, that's Minecraft at its core. But redstone is an interesting thing because that's how I got into coding was because um, redstone is the electricity 
of Minecraft, and by using that, you can um, have pistons open and or push and pull, and you can move blocks by doing that. So creating like doors where the blocks get pulled out of the way, and now you have a door that you've made, um, and sequencing that and timing the different things with um, different parts of the circuits to create massive contraptions where not only you have doors, but people have created robots that walk across the world um, using different um, ways of of using things in Minecraft. And then on top of that, there is a chat. And if you type into the chat um, different commands, you can have different things happen. So like the slash set block command, you can set a block in the world to whatever type you want. And that's just one thing that you can do. And with commands like that, you can put them in command blocks, which by using redstone to sequence the command blocks, you can create entire structures just by the press of a button. Or you can create entire mini-games inside of Minecraft. And those are things that I have done. Um, um, And that's really when the sequencing and logic of understanding the process of how to do the things and covering every aspect of it. So, like, for instance... If you were to create a game where one person is, like, hide-and-seek. One person is the hunter, one person is the seeker. You have to assign them to a team, and then the teams have different items they're given or whatever. But something that people might not think of is to start with, you have to clear all of the potion effects. You have to clear all of their um, items in their hands. You have to give them full health and give them full hunger. And those are things that just you wouldn't necessarily think of, but in, like... Like, oftentimes in coding, they'll have, like, one command where it's just, like, reset player. And that would do all of those things. But with Minecraft, you actually have to go through and do each step. And so stuff like that, it get, it get, get complicated. It's extremely technical. This is um, why I don't play Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, yeah, Dungeons & Dragons is a whole new variety of complicated. <laughs> so yeah. My video games include Pass. Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) But yeah, so I could talk about Minecraft forever. Yeah. Um, And it's important in a way, too, because, like, it keeps us connected in a way, too. And, like, it keeps my friends connected when we're all away at school or at in different states or whatever. Like, it's just a fun way that we can all join in and play together. Yeah. And, like, the... Yeah. And it's super cool because you can create... Because it's not just, like, redstone. It's not just survival. People can pursue things that they're better at. And so, like, some people just work really hard. So they'll do just a bunch of stuff, and other people are more knowledgeable or more leaders or more creative or whatever. And it just it provides a platform for people to pursue different things while doing something. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm an adventurer. I just go out there and I find cool things to give people. Yeah, and by exploring, there's chests and resources and um, different places you can explore, too, to get different things that are better for the sake of everyone. So, yeah. It's incredible. It's just... Yeah. uh, It is intimidating at the same time, but it is... Yeah, I mean, I've been playing this game for seven years. So, yeah, like, a lot playing this game a lot yeah. for seven years. <laughs> um, but yeah. And like, sorry, I'm going to go back to like the leadership skills sort of thing because there's then servers that are created for wide varieties of people to play. And so there's been like, there's servers with like 
thousands and thousands of people who play on them. And in those servers, you can create different, um, like, factions and teams and being the administrator of those to get people to to then delegate responsibilities and then them go out and do certain things and create relationships and be marketable, like, actually having a resume. Because I've had one in Minecraft before. Like, there's been servers I've joined where they they expect a resume. I mean, I yeah. I gave a really hard eye roll just now. Yeah, hard. Um, yeah. It was rough. It was aggressive. Yeah. But I can see how that would translate to, like, people who make squads for, like, Call of Duty or whatever. Right. That, like, you have Clans. to show that you have the credentials yep. to be worthy to yeah. get. So you I can... retract my eye roll. Oh. <laughs> but you'll always have the visual in your head. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I've seen it a lot, so. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the main big things I really want to talk to you about. Or talked, because we, we pretty much covered everything that I had in mind I mean, to talk about it. Yeah. Because it is something that is – it's unique to our group in a way because we all enjoy <laughs> it. And we all have – it keeps us connected, which is fun. How did it start? Do you remember? No. Yeah, because I don't even – I don't remember when the first time – Because it just sort of happened, I feel like. It did. Um, I think – I don't know. Yeah. It might have been after like CA training. No, it was even before that because well, I wasn't we really started f- playing. I wasn't really friends with you in the group until I was your CA at camp. Yeah. And then after that, you and Kenny sort of invited me into the group, and then it couldn't have been long after that. So I'm trying to think of when that first. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, it's just been a while. I'm trying to think of when that first time we play like because the the server where i had the whole like west virginia yes <laughs> the country road um, server that was when that was the start that was our first start for server like we all played every day and so like i'm trying to think of when that started which it had to be like 20 september of like 17 or something like that yeah i think it was because even our friend group like you and your sister started i can actually first. figure out the date right now one second you and your sister started first and yep. then we joined in like a month in or something like that yeah. And then we took over it. <laughs> and then we did another server. And then we did like Yep. And then now was, we're on like our third one altogether. It was prob it was early twenty eighteen. Which is crazy. So yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I could talk about Minecraft literally forever. Yeah. That's the problem. Okay, so well then we'll go deep. Not into Minecraft. We won't go in the mines <laughs> anymore. We're not gonna be on level eleven. Yeah, instead diamonds. We're gonna go into I almost said head in Spanish, but I, I kind of oh. forgot. I, I think I always get it confused. It is Corbeza, correct? Nope, Cabeza. Cabeza. <laughs> okay, cool. So Cabeza. I am correct now. Yeah. So you talked a little bit earlier about how you had influential people, and you know, who are some of the most influential? Because you talked about how you had older people that you saw as friends and influential. Who yeah. are some of those people? Um, my dad's number one um, for sure. And, yeah, you guys have heard him talk before, and he's an incredible man. And I'm a lot like him, and I'm blessed, but not quite up there yet. I'd like to be, but we'll see. Um, He's a very influential part of my life um, in all good ways. Um, And then the big ones, I mean, Bryce Mulder. I can never say his last name right, ever. It's a problem. You got there. I looked up to him a lot. And never really connected with him 
in any real significant way, but in that I recognize that I like I need to strive for the people that I really want to connect to. Um, and so in that I then got two jobs for both um, Lee Wadsworth and Mike McGinnis. Um, and those two men have influenced my life in a lot of ways too. Um, and then Jacob Bomber as well has been a very influential man in my life. Um, looking at older adults, not people like, cause Jake has been a big influence too, but not significantly older. Um, and so, yeah, th- those men have all been, um, big parts of my both spiritual and, um, like my, my interests and, mm-hmm. um, choices to do in life and have taught me things outside of just my spiritual growth and my faith, but also practical life skills. Um, so yeah. So if I were to ask you to think of one thing off the top of your head that comes to your mind, right when I say, what is the most influential thing that someone has said to you? Um, I mean, there's actually a, um, so there's a little bit of context here, but I've always been um, in search of like true relationships and purpose and sort of um, meaning in a lot of things. And it's been painful a lot, but um, it's been really good in the long run. And that idea was actually wrapped up by a poster that my psychology teacher had in his class and it was by Einstein. Um, but it was a quote of saying that Maturity was um, like bitter in youth, but delicious in age, or something like that. I forget what it is exactly, but, but that it, concept yeah. of being mature and um, pursuing what is better sucks in youth, but as you get older, it pays off and it is worth it. Um, and so that really, especially in high school, um, mm-hmm. encouraged me a lot. And that has led to me um, really being true to who I am and what I want and um, what I want to pursue mm-hmm. even through, I mean, whatever came my way yeah, and whatever will. So That's good. Yeah. I like that. That is like a very good quote, though, because yeah. it's very deep and it's very true because yeah. as a kid, you don't want to be the one that grows old. But yeah. as an adult, you're like, I'm glad I grew old fast Yeah, because you kind of realize the things that do go wrong fast. Sure. And something that sort of sparked that, too, was the quote by Gandhi that was, um, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. That idea also, like, sparked that at a very young age. Yeah. Sort of following the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. But even beyond that, of be that. Exactly. I, I actually agree with that a lot. Um, that's one of the few things I agree with Gandhi. But that's a good one. Yeah. Um, hmm. Where do I want to go next to this one? Jacob, uh, ask one question. <laughs> <laughs> a couple, oh, one of the ones I wrote down. I'm trying to think of, it's no segue. Um, <laughs> That's okay. You have talked about the dynamics with you and your siblings and how you, the four of you, relate to your parents. Yeah. So if you could give a brief, like, what that looks like, who is, who, like, who is like who, who resembles sure. who in personality and stuff, but also intertwining that to the dynamics between the four of you mm-hmm. based on those things because, like, Jake grew up with one sister. I grew up with 
a half brother and half sister who were significantly younger. Sure. So we don't have as much of the like our dynamics are completely yeah. different. So what is it like being a middle child ish? Yeah. And all One of, of the middles. All of yeah. that. Um well, so I've already said it, but we're all two years apart. Yeah. Um which means that great design by parents, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um and actually yeah. So um <laughs> So that that's been a big part of it. Of like when when Kayla was in sixth grade, we were all in elementary school. Kayla's my oldest sister, um, and so like we were all very similar in age growing up. Kayla and Katya being the most different, and they're the only two girls, um, which led to interesting dynamics between them. Just because like when Kayla's going through high school, Katya's still in middle or elementary school, um, but. So to start out with general personality types, my mom is a Miller, which is her maiden name, and that's a very specific type. They're very social, very loud and fun, and um, just really fun to be around, um, and really social people. Um, my dad is quieter and more intellectual, um, and yeah, and so the sort of idea of like I'm going to hide like build my emotions up in the true Irish way of just store all my emotions inside and then eventually they'll come out that's sort of my dad um in a very general way yeah. um and me and Kayla are very similar to my dad's personality type and Katya and Corey are very similar to my mom's um so it's pretty split because that's every other kid mm-hmm. Is That's like funny. one of the parents, and it's one guy, one girl. I could see that too, though. Now yeah. that you say that, like I could, yeah. yeah, I could totally see that. So yeah, Kayla was always the most educated, intellectual, um, scholarly of all of us, um, which was great. Her being the oldest and really setting that precedent for everyone following her. Um, but throughout, she she started. I mean, she was older, and so when she was going through, I mean, middle and high school. I was a lot younger, and um, my brother as well, um, because he was sort of – me and my brother were never super close, especially as kids, um, which is weird because we're the two boys in the middle, two years apart, well, two and a half years. My brother was born in October and I in June, um, at least something like that, whatever. Um, but, yeah, so we've never – we were never super close. Um, but then Kayla and I – weren't until I was going into high school, uh, really, maybe late middle school. Um, but the the dynamic from, like, when we were kids was Kayla was always put in charge when my parents would leave. And she was always super responsible, so that wasn't a big deal. She's, like, 10, watching an 8, 6- and 4-year-old at home. And my parents would go out on a date night, and it was fine. And But it was always the thing of, now I'm in charge. And then we'd all be like, prove it, or challenge her authority for the next two, three hours until mom and dad come home. Um, Corey was always into, t- like, watching TV and playing Xbox as a kid. Um, and we, we always pick on him for being um, a little slower, especially my mom, because my mom ruthlessly picks on the people she loves. Um, and Kayla, myself, and Katya do not respond to that as well as Corey does. That's such a funny way to explain yeah. him, though. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so like when he was born, he had the biggest head, and that's something that's constantly <laughs> his referenced. head is still very large. Yeah, yeah, 
And so my mom and my brother go back and forth all the time, just <laughs> ruthless. Um, and then Katya. And so Corey act was pretty responsible himself. Um, and so he was always – he wasn't the oldest, but he acted like the oldest, that general responsible leadership personality type. That was him, and Kayla was as well. And then there's me being quite – quite obviously the the middle child the like rebellious ornery just um challenging authority um pushing boundaries that that was me all growing up and constantly angry short fuse um and blew up like hard um and then katya was the youngest which is the youngest the spoiled gets whatever she wants hey, hey, bats hey, her hey. eyes and gets <laughs> what she wants um but how you just have a sister right jake yeah, but I'm still the youngest. Yeah, whatever. So I'm still <laughs> spoiled and yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah, and then it was weird because growing up, I wasn't. I was close to Katya because her and I were close in age, and then Corey and Kayla were slightly closer in age and just places in life. Um, so Katya and I were really close, and Corey and Kayla just sort of existed. Um, they weren't super close, but they just sort of went. Um, and Corey going through middle school was rough. Um, he just dated a lot of people and made a lot of mistakes that are honest mistakes and most middle schoolers make them but I saw it as just I don't want to do that and as a young fool I quickly associated that with who my brother was and so like I remember saying I never want to be like my brother my middle school brother which no one <laughs> wants to be like anyone in middle school um, well, but um, and so that carried on way longer than it should have um but then Kayla and I got close because her and I really could just talk. And when I was going through stuff, she was there, and I would talk with her. Um, and Katya and I, not quite as much because she was just younger. And so later on in life, we got there. Um, but Katya and I always had a – I was always her older brother, like any boys back off because now not with my little sister. Um, and so, yeah, the birth order did a lot. Um a lot more than some people realize. Um, and reading, like in psychology class, we saw a thing talking about birth order, and it was spot on. Um, but yeah, and so that was sort of the dynamic growing up. Um, and now I go over to my brothers every week and hang out with them um, after church on Sundays um, at school. And Kayla and I still are able to sit down and have deep conversations, and she's one of my best friends. And Katya and I are super close. Um, but it, it hasn't been easy to get there. Um, it's taken a lot of maturity on all our parts and being intentional. Um, so, yeah. That, yeah, four kids, so it takes a while. But <laughs> So you described them a lot and have a unique relationship with each one of them. Yeah. How do you think they would describe you from their perspective? Yeah. Um, well, as a kid, definitely hot-headed, temperamental, overly emotional, um, really very, very emotional, but not able to control myself and, um, take a step back and take a breath, um, which is something I definitely worked a lot on. Um, but that also came with just emotional maturity. Mm -hmm. Um, but now... 
the computer guy, I guess. Like, but but within your individual relationships, because oh, like yeah. you relate to each one of them specifically. Right. So you described how you. Yeah. So with Kayla and I. How would how would Kayla describe, describe you as a brother? How would Corey describe you as a brother? Right. Like who like you are. how the relationships. Who you are as a person and who you are as a sibling. Okay. I mean, as a sibling, I'm the annoying one still, like to this day. Confirmed. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I remember at Green Oak Ranch like three years ago, Jake didn't like one of my puns. And since then, that week, I just actively learned and started thinking more and more about puns and has not stopped. And because it's that's my fault. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yep, no, I, I knew that. I credit it to you. You did know that? Yep. Yeah. Oh, man, I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you ever tell me that? Uh, maybe. I, I feel like so. you haven't. I mean, it's just never come up. <laughs> um. <laughs> that's why I just pretend everything bugs me because Kevin can't possibly do everything all the time. I try, though. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. If I enjoy it, I'm going to do it. Um. Wow, I never do that. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um. And so yeah, with with Kayla, I'm I'm her little brother, and she and I look up to her, and she knows that. Um, and so she and our personalities are similar, and so she lives a life as an example to me. Um, and we're also just really good friends. I mean, like I she was sort of joking, but gen- genuine at the wedding, talking about how if Elizabeth her um, or no Katya, if Katya wasn't her maid of honor, Elizabeth was her matron of honor. But if Katya wasn't her maid of honor, I'd be her man of honor at the <laughs> hey. wedding. Um, so like, if she didn't have a sister, I would have been there, um, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, and so her and I are really close and have bonded over a lot um, because we've, we just went through very similar things through middle and high school. Um, and then Corey and I, he's not great with um, being intentional with relationships. Like he, he doesn't seek out people very much so I've sought him out a lot and he's reciprocated well um and so now it's become a thing of he just he doesn't say it but I know that he really appreciates me coming over every week um and so I'm just I'm there and I'm helping with dishes I'm help um sometimes with him telling me to and sometimes we'll play games to see who does the dishes but like him and Kaylin were having a rough night and he went and sat down and played a game and then he came out and I had done all the dishes and cleaned the kitchen. Um, and so stuff like that has been just a way to try and really be there and be the brother that um, I'd like to be, that I haven't been most of my life, um, really leading up to even this year. Um, and so with that, it, it's really working on actually being his brother and him being mine. Um, and we're going in a great direction because I actually, like, I talked with him um, before his wedding because I was like, listen, and he was flying out to Grace. So I think it was the end of, I don't know, I forget when, but he was flying out to Grace, and it was like, hey, we haven't been brothers, and so we really had to sit down and talk about it. Wow. Um, Because I was like, I just, I don't want to go up at your wedding and just be the guy who's by default there. Hmm. Like, I want to be your brother, um, not just by blood. Um. So, I mean, I'm not sure what that really says, but, I'm yeah. But. Um, and then with Katya, uh, we both at very different points in our lives neglected the other um, because of middle and high school. Um, and I was – I neglected her for less amount of time, for a little while just because 
I didn't want to talk to anyone. It was whatever. Um, but then I started to be intentional even when she was going through a lot and I was there and I've always been protective and looking out for her. Um, and so she sees that a lot um, and just really has been a great sister and um, a really good friend. And so, yeah, I mean, that seeing me as her older brother has really become a true thing and but still wanting to spend time with her and like go and just sit in a room and talk with her and stuff. So, yeah. So based, that was fantastic. Okay. <laughs> based on all that, especially we said about your relationship with Corey, there are a lot of sibling relationships that mm-hmm. exist that are just, some are bad, but yeah. some are just not good. Yeah. Cause you wouldn't say that your relationship with Corey no, yeah. was bad. It just wasn't, Good. It, right. Like, it just was barely the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, based on looking back at your experience with that and that conversation you talked about and where you're at now, what kind of encouragement would you give people? Like, if there are people listening right now of any age, like siblings can struggle at struggle at any age, whether right. they're kids or older. Like, what encouragement would you give <clears throat> for siblings to seek each other out? Yeah. Um, to start with any relationship in general is two ways. And if one person will not be there for the other, the best thing you can do is be there for them despite that and hope they come around. And I've been in that place for years with some people and eventually had to let go because it's not worth it for some. Um, so it's, it's how hard are you going to fight and be intentional in that relationship? And I think with siblings, it's important to be there regardless because it's family mm-hmm. um but being intentional is all i can say i mean figure out what they want from people what makes them feel loved what you can do for them that is not just like some side thing like make it personal and make it intentional whatever it is and it's different for every single person but if you really love and care for that person you can figure it out and i mean if nothing else they'll hopefully see that you're trying and then talking with them and being like relationships are two ways. Um, and if they're not going to fight for it, I mean, if, if like you have that conversation and they're still not willing, dust your feet off and I guess move on. And that sucks, but you can't make someone love you. And so, I mean, cause it, it's almost worse to pursue someone who will never care care about you the same way you do them than to not care at all. And that that's a lot. And that was something I actually learned very recently. Um, and so, yeah, just be intentional. And that's with any relationship, really. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've asked all of my questions. Okay. Um, transition to the faith portion. Um, Give us a description of what your faith life was like growing up Mm -hmm. in in the household, in the family, with the parents you have and stuff. What what did it look like for you as a kid? Mm -hmm. What does it look like now? And like, 
any kind of transitional period, what, what brought it about? What did that look like? Sure. Um, so I'm going to try and keep this short because I've definitely shared like my testimony in two and a half hours before. Um, <laughs> yeah, please don't so, do that. Yeah, I, I'm trying. going to fall asleep yeah. in yeah, yeah. 35 minutes. Okay. So, um, <laughs> regardless of whether we're sitting at this table or if I'm back <laughs> in my house. Yeah. Um, so as a kid, I was, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad's a pastor. My mom's the daughter of a pastor. Um, so God has been integral to my life. I've gone to church since I, I don't remember not going to church. As soon as I came to California, I was enrolled in Los Altos Grace, the private elementary school, and then the church as well. Um, I worked in the church from fifth grade, um, in the children's ministry, and I did that as, until I left um, at the end of this summer last year, or this year, whatever. Um, and so my whole life has been spent in the church, um, going to different events and tearing down and setting up and going through the motions. And the question is always, when was your faith made real? Um, my faith, I, I mean, my faith was true all throughout um but my first time I doubted my faith was um, in middle school um, on a winter retreat, and it was Steph's first year working here. Um, Casey and Aaron were the youth leaders, and um, they didn't do much for me um, in regards to, like, really pursuing me. Casey did um, in some cool ways. He was the first adult male who actually, like, asked me if I wanted to go do stuff. Um but spiritually didn't really push me in many ways. Um, but there was one night where several people shared some rough stuff that had happened in their life out of nowhere. And leading up to that, I was praying that some way there'd be a way I could talk to someone about how I was doubting my faith. And so bawling, I told people that I doubted my faith. And it's sort of because of the weight of everyone else's stuff felt like nothing. Um, because it was like, okay, but this person was like, raped. Um, and I'm out here like, okay. Um, but, yeah, so I just, um, that's when I made it real. I vocalized it. And really was the first point when I realized I was a verbal processor. Because once I said it, it became real and it became manageable. Yeah. But as long as it was in my head, it festered and ruined a lot. Um so then moving forward, I just sort of knew that it's okay. And and I don't remember when that click happened, but by me doubting my faith, I was able to search out answers and find truth and what I actually think. And so that really began the process of my faith being my own. And really since then it has been. Um, I've never really defaulted to, well, my parents are past, like my dad's a pastor, and that's why I go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely it even comes up in any sense outside of my testimony. Um, and so then from middle school it went on, and, you know, middle school's great time. Um, high school happened, and I, again, was at a place of, like, why am I doing anything? Because I'm I'm trying to be a better version of me. I'm actively pursuing God. What does this mean? How does it work? come to realize I wasn't actively pursuing God. I was actively doing things for the church. Um, So like going to events and setting up children's ministry, um, being a leader in the youth group, all these things were just to do them 
and sort of check them off my list. Um, then Momentum, your very first appearance to me ever. Yep. Um, this random guy walks in and he's like getting on the plane. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, that was the first time? That was the first time I'd met you. Oof. Was on Momentum. And you did not seem like you were having a great time. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> not that you necessarily weren't, but you don't have an excited resting face. I do not. And so I was like, okay, this big brute is just <laughs> straggling. <laughs> My resting brute. face is. Yeah. I'm chilling. I probably want to read something or yeah. just. Yeah. And so my dad had been... The not going to lie. I was not super excited about being in Indiana. <laughs> right. No, and that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, my dad had been the youth leader, and so that was different. Um, so I did a lot more just around the youth group. And so that really gave me the leadership feeling. Like, this was my youth group sort of thing. Um, and really take ownership of it. Um, but then at Momentum, it was... I've never seen two people interact with their microphones more than you two right now. I need to do something, okay? <laughs> and everything else was too loud. Kevin has literally been messing with his microphone for an hour and 48 minutes. Yeah. And Jake for the last 20 minutes. What else? I, I literally <laughs> always move my mic. Not that much. No, I definitely do. I'm sorry. It's fine. Whatever. Sometimes I'll stand I'm up. Necessary. Yeah. I just continue. I've changed my leg position at least 20 times as well. Oh, man. That doesn't... Um, okay. Yeah. Anyways. So then momentum happened. Super cool. I um, felt super called to actually do life for Christ. Um, I had no idea what that meant. Um, well, I knew what it meant, but I didn't realize like how it was actually doable, like how to do it. You knew intellectually, but practically yeah. you were right. figuring it out. And so I, and I saw this massive shift just with people in the youth group, um, with specifically Josiah and Sierra just really taking their faith to heart and being real, which was the first time I'd seen anyone my age do it, uh, like outside of me, have any sort of real interaction with God. Mm -hmm. um, and so then going in through high school was rough. Um, but then at Momentum, it it set up on the, the, the um, displays that Operation Barnabas is going to be in the West Coast. I was like, bet all these Indiana folk going to come to me next year. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, w I signed up for Operation Barnabas, and every single day that got closer, I didn't want to go more and more. Um, I, I didn't even think about fund fundraising. There was like a couple events that my dad was like, here, we'll do them. I was like, okay, I'll do them, just while my dad was watching sort of thing. Do as little as I can, not care. Um, and like – even like daring God to just be like, God, ah, this isn't. Well, no, work I was out. just like, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> um, and like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Was sort of the thing. And I'm like, I really hope it doesn't. Um, and so like, even then, like a week before, my dad's like, you don't have the money to go. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so he's like, here, send out a couple letters to people. And then by like two days later, I had all the money to go. Like all like thirty five hundred dollars. <laughs> Jokes on you. Yeah, and I was like, well, frick, now I got a pack. Um, and then every like shirt I put into my bag got heavier and heavier, and I was like, I could just not. Look, I just don't have to. And then I showed up, and I was like, oh my god, all these homeschoolers from the Midwest walking in the door, like just all these just all these people walking in. And I was like, he's goofy, he's weird, they're extra. Oh my gosh. Take that, Josh. Yeah, I I don't actually remember Josh like at all. Yeah. He was like one of the few people that I remember. 
Josh is like one remember. of the few people I do remember from. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, but there were three distinct people that I, when they walked in the door, I was like, oh. And all three of them were put on my team. And I also had this thing because my, the guy who I knew I was going to be um, on his team, he was the youth leader of my cousin's church where I now go to church. Mm-hmm. And he was there at the leader. And I had talked to him before, and I'm like, I'm definitely going with him. I already know this. Not a big deal. You know, on my high horse. And then – I had the most life-transforming um, – Jake. Um, I had the most life-transforming three weeks of my life where I got to finally practically and completely see what living for Christ meant and how beautiful it was and how I used my introverted personality type as a crutch, how my addiction to video games wasn't binding – how my addiction to pornography wasn't binding, how um, my life of arrogance and um, self-praise was a misplaced understanding of confidence, how all these things about me were not as overbearing and as uncontrollable as I thought, and how God already had them under control. Um, and Operation Barnabas was the one of the most difficult experiences of my life, but I had never felt more joy in my life. Um, I literally spent every single day seeking others out for the glory of God. Um, and I came back ready to live a life for Christ. And since then, there has been... Um, there, there was a point on Operation Barnabas when I said, despite anything that you think in the future, just know that you right now knows with your entire being that this is true Hmm. and this is good and it is what you need to live for because I knew I wouldn't believe it later. But despite that, I knew it then and I knew that my future self should know this. And I don't trust anyone as much as I trust me. And so seeing, like knowing that I did that, I said that, it wasn't some pastor up on the stage. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a message I heard. I said that. That's what kept me going Every day, even when it was hard, was the goodness and glory of God that I knew despite all opposition. And I knew that, whether I felt it or not. And that was huge because I didn't understand a faith that wasn't the the spark from some youth event. Mm -hmm. Because Green Oak Ranch was great. And every time I went, I was on fire for God and pursued him. But as soon as I went home, I was done because I lived a life of let me just get a high spiritual high and live for Christ in that high and then once that's gone my faith is stagnant and that's not what it is Hmm. Um, and so Operation Barnabas was that um, for me in a lot of ways Um, and just really understanding what my life was and what it needed to be and who I was going to be so yeah from an outsider looking in um, and someone who I've observed you for a while and I've like I, I pick up like little details and I like watch people a lot very easily. Um, but from you going from Operation Barnabas to after, I saw a huge change in you. Yeah. Like it was really good, and I, I saw it and I credit it for that. It was, it was very yeah. And like I wish I had that opportunity when I was your age to go through that. Sure. So it was very information to me and like I I saw it for sure where you did step up and you matured a lot that summer. Yeah. Well, thank you.
So what is one thing that you would be able to describe about God that you can say, this is why I believe in God? Um, because I've seen it. And that's really hard to just say and be like, you know, that's an easy cop out. But like when you actively pursue a relationship with Christ and you're in that place where you feel you feel God's presence and his truth is clear and obvious, when you're in that place, things just make sense and you can see where he's working. And I actually like there is a thing that I, I I write a lot, and when I write, I just sort of word vomit and things happen, mm-hmm. and that's my verbal processing happening. Yeah. And one thing that I wrote that w- really made that make sense was that God's work and what God does is so vast and so common that I no longer see it as unique. And that that was what shifted on Operation Barnabas because I began not just seeing the world as the world and how it functions. But I began seeing how God uses the functions of the world for the glory of him and how it can be and how it is. And those things are true and they are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, an example of what that really looks like is after op- or on Operation Barnabas, there was a kid and he showed up to a VBS we were putting on with an attitude um, with a hat that he wore really low, a big sweatshirt, and didn't talk to anyone. Um, and he just sort of um, was there to be there, probably because his parents brought him. And he gave attitude to everyone who talked to him. And then God was like, yo, that's yours. Um, and I didn't know what that meant because it's this little gangster kid, and I'm a kid who grew up in the church. And I was like, I don't know where the ca- connection is there. Um <laughs> But I walked over, and immediately his eyes lit up, and him and I became inseparable um, for no real reason. Um, Then we just started talking about girls and what problems he was going through and um, the issues at home, and he just literally blew open and was just pouring out everything that was going on with him, and at the end of the night... um, he just left and felt or it really like just was overwhelmed with um, just Christ and you could see it and he gave me a hug and then left and I cried because it was like I'm leaving in like 45 minutes I'm never going to see him again yeah um, I gave him my contact information but I didn't have my phone um, because on Operation Martyrs they took your phones yeah um, and so don't have his and maybe one day he'll text or call me but um yeah and so that that moment of just like okay um and then another very similar thing happened after operation barnabas at green oak ranch on the cross like up at the cross on the hill at the end of the week i was up there and i prayed on the walk up god just lead the conversations lead me to physically walk where you want me and to talk how you want me to and just be like, let me be a vessel for you right now. And I had two people I had talked to, maybe twice before, crying on my shoulder, opening up, um, me saying things that I don't even remember, but God used to touch their hearts. 
I had people that I had known really well who I went up to who were stone-faced normally um, just really open up and be welcoming to Christ and his power and his goodness. And literally, I walked up and people would clear out of the way and it felt like a spotlight landed on this person and it was so clear that that's where I needed to go and great things happened without me really doing anything. And God led the conversations. God led everything. And I just, I mean, I've seen it. So, yeah. Do you have any more before my last one? No. So we're going to end with what are one or a couple of your favorite or to you most important influential Bible stories or passages? Um, now, like either in your development or right. now or just like whatever. Like if you had to be like this and this. Like yeah. What? Um, unfortunately, Uh-oh. throughout my life, I have been really bad about being in the Bible. I mean, um, it happens. Yeah. Like. Literally the worst. The mo- the longest I'd ever like consistently been in the Bible was like three weeks, and that was like not even related to Operation Barnabas. Um, like even in Operation Barnabas, there were definitely days I was like, eh, no thanks. But um, Colossians three twenty three, interesting story. Uh, I was sitting playing Minecraft in my room, and um, naturally. And my mom came in and was just being obnoxious and started, like, tickling me and poking me and just, like, why? Why? Why is this happening? And then she knocks over my water. It falls all over my keyboard. My headset falls off, almost breaks, and I'm pissed. Yep. And somehow, in the middle of all that, Cortana heard, which Cortana is the, like, AI on a Windows computer. Cortana heard Colossians 3.23. (laughs) And I look up. And there is a Bible verse sitting on my desktop that has never been there, and I've never read it before. So that instantly was like, oh, I should read this. And it's whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And and that has been actually huge because it's in whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. And because for me specifically at that point, it was a time of chores were hell. And I didn't want to do anything, let alone for anyone. (laughs) Um, But I I soon saw just the value of working at things for the Lord and what that meant of like, I'm not going to, like, for instance, going back to when I did the dishes at Corey's, I'm not doing this for Corey and I'm not doing it for Kaylin. I'm doing it so that the Lord can be shown through my actions. Like I'm, I'm doing it so that there's a noticeable difference in this so that I can bring glory to the Lord. I'm doing these things for Christ and me working in the church my whole life, like doing chairs, the amount of times I've unloaded and loaded those chairs in the basement is ridiculous, but getting to a place <laughs> Getting to a place in my life where I was doing that, not for Cindy, not for you, not for me to say that I did it so I can brag, but doing it for the Lord was a constant weekly challenge that I actively pursued.
Um, and then that translates to everything. Like, especially at Grace right now, my relationships, the conversations I have, I'm intentionally going out and seeking people out to encourage them and to be Jesus in their lives. Um, and so, yeah. And work at it with all your heart. That was a big thing, too. Of not, I'm not going to half do this, half do this. Mm. I'm going to do whatever I do with everything I do and do it for God. Um, so that that was big. Um, and then more recently, um, Philippians 4, um, 6, yeah, 4, 6, and a little bit of 7, but more Philippians 4, 6. Um, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, since October, things have been a little rough in the Gentis household, um, with two car accidents, um, jobs going away and figuring out needing to move, um, me falling down 12 feet of stairs, um, Katya getting a concussion and having to drop out then later out of high school and homeschool, mm-hmm. um, Kayla and Zach having to figure out a place to live in California for another year um, when she thought it was only going to be another two or three months initially. Um, and then in the middle of all this, a wedding um, for Kayla. Um Things and then the emotional stress that I was going through at school with different people and drama, um, figuring out college, like all these different things, the financial stress of all of it. Um, this came at a pretty good time, uh, this verse. And so, yeah, just the specifically the peace of God which transcends all understanding. That was necessary <laughs> um, because like, all this was happening, and I was like, okay, I need to not be a financial burden to my family so that they can figure it out, and they don't have to worry about me. They can worry about their stuff, and then I throw myself off a staircase. <laughs> and, like, literally the day after I said that to myself, the day after, I fell, and I fell 12 feet over a railing onto my back, destroying my iPad, injuring all over me. Fortunately, no broken bones or fractures. Literally everything. I thought my right elbow was fractured, so I couldn't play disc golf. I was pissed. Um, Solely that reason why. I mean, yeah, mainly. Um, But yeah, and so, yeah, do not be anxious about anything. That was the the big part. And so, um, that, that just really was personal to more recent history. So, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Threw myself on the staircase. Yeah. Oh, uh, man, that was a good line. Thanks. Now we're gonna end there because I am so tired. We did good. We still got to two hours. So hey. much for being short. Good there job. You, go. <laughs> you guys are late to a New Year's party. I'm it's literally gonna go home, take a two-hour nap, and play games with yep. people. I mean, we have six hours till anything really significant. I, if I'm awake at midnight, I'll be shocked. Just take like a four-hour nap. No, because we're like playing games and Drink stuff. coffee. We have one of our favorite games go. right now. It's only been a couple of days. This game called Oh Fruck. I just told Jake about oh, it. That sounds oh, great. It's for those of you. Where'd who, you get it, by the way? I online Amazon. Oh, I have to get it. For those of you that have played Quelf, it's basically Quelf but in a hard in a card game. 
it's, it's a combination of Uno and random rule making. Nice. So you're like playing Uno with a somewhat normal deck of cards. Mm-hmm. So like you have to match. If, if it's a diamond, play a diamond, or if it's a two, play two. Whatever. Oh, it's just with the regular yeah. deck of cards? Yeah, okay. except there are rules along the way, and okay. some of the rules include this entire game, everyone has to talk in an accent. Oh, wow. Or once a queen has been played, everyone has to refer to each other as sir or madam. Hmm. And like if you forget to do any of those, then you have draw. to draw a card, yeah. and it's the first person out wins. Nice. So there are a lot of random rules, and it is pretty freaking funny. That's awesome. So we might play that a lot. There's a couple other games that just teach we're them jug. Into. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine Katrina running around trying to play jug. <laughs> Chuck doesn't have half an arm. He couldn't. The seven on seven, you have to look up and point up. Chuck can't extend his arm. Oh. So well. he he like I thought he was gonna cry at one point the other night because he like went to do it and then he was holding his arm for 30 seconds before he started mm. the game again. I don't know what's wrong with his elbow. Some. So, so we got games, but that was way too loud. Uh, none of you listening to this are going to be listening to it before New Year's <laughs> starts because that's in six hours, like Kevin said. Yeah. So, but this can be applied to any point in your life. But one of friend of the show, Mateo, that was on Swipa a few episodes ago, he and the Pyramid Scheme group, me, everyone was talking about be safe tonight, and he posted, <laughs> he posted. Average DUI, $10,000. By the way, I looked that up. It's a little less than 10000 Who cares? Okay. It was roughly about 6000 but no, well, whatever. It's not <laughs> the point. It was Alaska. Alaska's $23,000 well, because there's seven people there. Don't get drunk in Alaska. <laughs> Average what funeral, $7,500. Average Uber ride, $12. And so hmm. Don't be an idiot tonight. That's hey, funny. I, Facts. I agree. Do Uber, but also Ubers are really expensive tonight. And apparently, sure. in another one, it says, no excuses, don't drink and drive, and don't ride with anybody who does. Tipsy toe offered by AAA. You don't have to be a AAA member. Yep. From 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. on New Year's Eve day, they will take your drunk self and your car home for free. Yep. Wow. That's awesome. such number. Um, none of you are listening to that, so and that's not going to be relevant to anybody. It is to me. Not now. So now save that information for a year yeah. from now, because that's, that's Bookmark this. good times. Yeah. Listen to this again next New Year's. Yep. Yeah. <coughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for listening this far, everyone. I know it's been a good one. Um, follow us at From's Bob Office on. <laughs> Did I mess it up? Yeah, that was rough. How? I sounded great in my head. <laughs> well, you said From's Bob Office. From's. Yeah, I'm German. Sorry. Yeah. So follow us. Um, from Bob's office, F R O M B O B S O F F I C E. I think it's really funny that you spell it better than you say it. Yeah, I'm sorry that I mess words up. You I'm, know this I'm, right now. I, out of all the things you say incorrectly and things you spell incorrectly, you spell it well. Good job. I compliment. Got him. All right. Well, we're gonna go have fun tonight. You guys do too. Stay safe, everyone. I also can't say that word correctly. Stay safe. Every time I say it, 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 it does not come out right. Stay safe, everybody. Um, We'll be back Thursday, 2020, starting off. This is my roaring, the roaring 20s. Hey. I'll sing it. Please don't. (laughs) Not today. I'll sing it when roaring 20s happens. Oh, okay. Well, tonight.
1101. Nope, 1201. I will be playing it. No, it is the Roaring Twenties again. Oh, okay. I don't think they were called the Roaring Twenties while the Twenties were happening. No, no. So now we're calling ours the Roaring Twenties. So we're just anticipating it? Brennan Yuri's You're the only it. person I've heard say that. Well, good for that, me. It's also <laughs> probably my theme for my cabin. Oh, that's kind of sick. <laughs> we're going to have, <laughs> like... They're going to be dressed up every day, like wearing Great Gatsby and running yeah. around yes. doing... We're going to have little Great Gatsby parties, and we're going to have... Um, it's going to be a biblical prohibition instead of alcohol. So we're going to have, like, a speakeasy church. Oh, there you go. Not probation. G-Z-Z? Yeah, it stands for Jesus Easy. I'm going to get Leonardo DiCaprio and everything. Yeah, I emailed him. He hasn't responded yet. Okay. He's a Scientologist, so it might be a little hard. (laughs) Church Scientology, please do not abduct me. All right, guys, have a good night. (laughs) How do we close every episode? Um, Who are you? Oh, I am Jake Mathis. Oh, I should know, so that Scientology is not listening. That's not how that works. I am (laughs) Steve Sprosberg. I'm Jacob Bomber. And I'm Kevin Gentis. Have a fantastic New Year.